but in this business, I love seeing like a concept being brought to life and then seeing that product that was in my head on a complete stranger walking down the street. Mm -hmm. That to me is like, that's a drug. That's like the best thing ever. Like, Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and joining me today is Christina Sparks, the founder and CEO of Solgani Activewear, a high-quality U.S.-based and U.S.-made activewear company. After working over a decade in corporate leadership roles, Christina took a leap in 2018 and became her own boss. Today, Solgani is growing as a company that makes a difference. Christina and her company gain inspiration from across the globe and make it their point of duty to give back to every town, village, or city that inspired their designs. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Christina Sparks. So, Christina, thank you for joining me today on InFactor. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm, I'm really excited. I had the opportunity to meet you through one of our students at the University of Tampa, Gabby Perez, and I'm so excited that she brought your business, which is located here in Tampa, where we are, to our attention. So could you tell us a little bit about Solgani and where did the name come from? Where did the idea come from? What's the motivation behind it? How did it get started? Yeah, that's a great question. So Solgani is definitely a unique name. And when I was creating the business, I knew I wanted to incorporate the word soul into the business. And my roots are Middle Eastern. So I thought to myself, you know, Ghani in Arabic means abundance. So like abundance of soul, lots of soul is what we have at this business that I'm creating. So we're going to call it Solgani. And the reason why I incorporated soul into it is I'll kind of rewind back. The idea for the company came to me when I was hiking in Peru with my best friend. And I saw this beautiful rock on the side of a mountain and snapped a picture of it and said to her at the time, I go, oh my gosh, this would look so cool on a pair of leggings. Like it would just look really beautiful. And she kind of like looked at me and was like, yeah, okay. And then like we kept hiking and like the idea just didn't leave me. It just stayed in my head. And, you know, and I can walk you through like the whole process, you know, in this call now or later on of like, you know, how I went from like concept to creating a product and, and the business and stuff. But I just said to myself, like, this would be such a cool concept. And then as we were hiking in Peru, we would go through all the little villages and as we'd go through the villages, we'd find like fruit at the different markets with our tour group. And we would give fruit to the kids in the villages and like their eyes lit up like it was Christmas morning when you would just hand them like an apple. So I kind of combined that with the concept of wanting to create leggings and activewear. And I said to myself, if we sell one, if we sell a million pairs of leggings, I want to be able to give back. Because you never forget like that look in somebody's eyes when you give them something and you, you help them. And so that's why I incorporated giving back into our product. So for every, all of our leggings are, and our activewear are all inspired by different locations around the world. And then we give back 
a portion of each sale to the town, city, or village that inspired our design through like a charity. So the reason why I wanted to have soul in the name is because we, we have a lot of soul at Solgani from inspiration, design, to giving back and all the good stuff in between. What a great story. I, I really love that. And so you are in the in the as far in the fashion world in the activewear space. Is that right with the mm-hmm. products? I mean, yes. I took a look at your website and I'm really excited to buy some things because it all looks very cool. But uh, you know what's <laughs> interesting, you. you know, I first started wearing leggings, for example, when I was doing yoga, but now that I'm working remotely through COVID, (laughs) I'm wearing them every day (laughs) and actually had started wearing them a lot before. So active wear and has been casual wear has kind of become the norm. And I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that in terms of where we are now. You know, we are nine or 10 months into this pandemic. We've all been home a lot more where a lot of us are working remotely and even those, and we've kind of gotten used to wearing casual wear. What do you see in the world of fashion? You think we're going to, we're, we're going to continue to wear our active wear on a regular basis like that? Is, you know, what I, like that? I, I really think we will. And I think that, you know, as our world hopefully shifts away from the pandemic and, and we can kind of walk, walk through this pandemic uh, with our health. Yeah. I think even after that, I think people are going to be like, they know the comfort that they have from their activewear. So I think different designers are going to be incorporating a lot of those fabrics into a lot of fashion and like ready to wear pieces. So I think it's going to kind of shift and change fashion in a way. I also, it's funny that you say that because I remember probably about like 10 years ago, I was like in traffic sitting in my car listening to like Sirius XM. And there was this one host on there and she was saying how she could have believed some woman was out running errands in New York City in her leggings. And that was like 10 years ago, right? Uh And you fast forward to now and that's literally like everybody's uniform that they wear now. So I think think just as our culture kind of transitions from this post-pandemic and then also a culture that kind of is, I think, more emphasized on health and wellness than maybe they were in previous generations. I think active wear and like comfort and the type of fabrics you use in active wear will definitely be incorporated into more mm-hmm. kind of mainstream fashion. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's been coming for, for a number of years and there, there've been a number of brands that have really helped bring it, I think, to the forefront. And, you know, it's just comfortable. It just, I think we've kind of gotten used to that as well. And what's interesting is this pandemic has really accelerated a lot of things that we were already moving toward, you know, more acceptance of technology and using it, a lot of technology kind of fast forwarded a lot of that. And so it'll be interesting, I think, to see what it does to fashion. And I know for, for myself, it's going to be really tough to go back to high heels or any, any shoes that are really <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> so there, you know, yeah, Thinking about activewear, there are a ton of brands out there and a new one's coming on the market every day. What do you think makes Solgani different? And did you have any concerns when you were launching this company about, about how you might deal with all that competition? I think you always, you know, are thinking about, the, you know, your competition and trying to think how you can differentiate your brand. I think people who say that they aren't maybe aren't being completely honest, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely always that concern, especially when you launch something new, like how can you differentiate it? So when I was creating the brand and when I was creating the product, 
I wanted to create something that was truly unique. And so I kind of leaned on my prior experience in the technology world with creating like software products. And I had a lot of design patents to my name from software patents. And so what I said is when I'm creating this, this activewear company, I want to make sure that I create designs that are truly unique and have design patents around them. So like a couple of our styles, like if you look on our website, like our strong sole legging where kind of the print that you can kind of take from different areas in the world, the print kind of goes on the inside of one leg. And then we have a twin sole legging where the print goes on the outside of the leg behind like the hamstring. And so Uh those two styles in itself, like the product is differentiated and we have a design patent on it. And then the other way that we differentiate is kind of a, a step before that, where it's truly like we're taking inspiration from places we visit. So like for instance, in Peru, I took a picture of that rock and converted that into our strong soul and twin soul rock print. And then from there, we basically give back to the town, city, or village that inspired our design. And there are not activewear companies in the industry doing that. That truly is unique to us. And it's built in from into our business model and to the fabric of our culture and to how we design our products. And then also what differentiates us is the fit, the feel, and the fabric. We spend a lot of time in making sure we source truly high-quality fabric that you can wash dry, and it looks like brand new. Like I have leggings from when we launched the brand in 2018 till now that I wear every day, and I've washed hundreds, maybe thousands of times, and they still look brand new. So very high attention to quality and details like that. And we're made in the USA. So there's not a lot of brands that are made in the USA to start with, but then that are also super high quality, that also give back, that also pull their design and inspiration from places around the world. So Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. overall, it makes us like a really unique business in the sea of so many activewear brands in a saturated market. Yeah, yeah. A couple, there's several things in there to kind of unpack a little bit, I think, as we talk about this. And, you know, one thing I want to mention briefly is that the the high quality really speaks to me because there's nothing worse than getting something like a pair of leggings that you love and then they fall apart. You know, you, you just don't want to give them up. <laughs> and so yeah. it's so nice when you find something that just fits right and it's the style you like and, and you know, everything about it you love and then it falls apart. So So kudos to you for that. You know, one of the things I heard you talking about, you you mentioned earlier about going from idea to prototype to really launch of your company. And I think our listeners might really enjoy hearing how that all happened and, and what you learned along that process. And then I'd like to go back after that maybe and talk about your background some, which you also brought up. So could you take us through the process of idea to actual launch of the company and and your first products? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea came to me in May of 2016, when I was hiking with my best friend in Peru. And then all throughout that year in 2016, it just kept eating at me. And at the time, I was in a executive role with a tech company, chief product officer, and like super high stress running huge portions of the business and and whatnot. So in the nights and weekends, 
I was always thinking about this concept in my head, but just so focused on, on my job. And then, you know, after at like the end of the year, like the thought just did not go away. And I'm like, all right, I've really got to do something about this because this is just going to eat at me if I don't, if I don't like move on this idea in my head. So in like the nights and weekends, I just started researching and I don't have a fashion background besides just enjoying fashion and style and shopping online. And as a teenager, I worked at the Gap. So, <laughs> so that was my, my fashion background. So I literally researched. I found tutorials on Photoshop, on how to design in Photoshop. I think my background in general, I have a good eye for aesthetics and I have a good design background in general, but not for fashion design. So I just kind of taught myself kind of the critical points I taught myself kind of like the manufacturing and all of that process and just kind of researched a lot uh-huh. and so then from there I just literally I, I sketched out ideas of what I was thinking for my product and then I found fabric that I really liked I found like four different types of fabric and I just went to like all my girlfriends that work out And I said, you know, can you touch this fabric? What do you think of this? And just kind of got like lots of different opinions on what people liked, what they didn't like in the fabric I selected. I was really specific in who I shared the ideas with because I wanted people that would give me honest feedback, but also that were like supportive friends, you know? So I was just very specific in who I shared like this infant concept with. And so then from there, once I kind of narrowed down what fabric I liked, I narrowed down the factory I wanted to use. I interviewed a few different factories all in the U.S. And I produced a sample with one of them. And I really liked the quality of the sample they produced. And then after I got one sample from them, we just kind of iterated it. And I was like, you know what? We need to make the waistband a little higher. We need to, you know, change the inseam here and just kind of all these little kind of tweaks to it. And so then when I had that prototype that I personally wore and really liked, I said, okay, let's produce 30 of them. And so from there, I did a fit and feel party with like friends and friends of friends who I didn't know who were complete strangers. And at that fit and feel party, I had all different sizes and I had people go in and kind of like try them and tell me what they liked, tell me what they didn't like. I also like set up like little stations. This was like in like the party room of my condo. (laughs) (laughs) I set up like little stations in there and little questionnaires and like pencil and paper. And on the questionnaires, it was like, like one station was about like the brand. Like, what do you think of this name? What do you think of this logo? What do you think of the concept of giving back? What do you, like, what stands out to you? Like I had a whole bunch of different kind of like logos and mission and that kind of stuff. So I was getting like feedback from friends and strangers right there in that party, not just on the product, but also on the brand. And then I had like another station set up for people to kind of anonymously give me feedback on the product because like, say like a friend or a family member might not want to say, I don't like the fabric to my face, but they might be okay writing it on a piece of paper because you you don't know who it is. Right. So I, I set that up and I wanted like feedback and I wanted people to be critical because that's how you really make a product good is like you, you first kind of design for that consumer who it's going to be but then you put it into the potential consumer's hands and you have them tell you what you like and don't like. And then you iterate based off that. And so from there, I gathered so much feedback and it was really funny because like in the prototype, 
because I tried it on a lot of women that were like tall, shorter, curvy, like super skinny, kind of everything in between. And I'm five one, so it's going to fit me one way versus somebody who's six foot. And so a lot of the people who tried it on, like the the crotch part of the legging, like kind of drooped. <laughs> so that was definitely something we had to fix before we went to full production, and the waistband kind of fell down a little bit. So things like that, I tweaked, and I kind of gave that feedback back to the factory. We tweaked it. We created another prototype. And then from there, I tried it on like five different girls of different shapes and sizes. They were all friends of mine and had like the legging. And so by that point, it was probably like November of 2017 at that point. And then in March of 2018 is when I fully kind of went for it and launched the brand. Mm -hmm. And I worked full time as a tech executive during all of that. And then going into January of 2018, I said, all right, let's go for it. And in that time period where I was kind of creating the concept for the brand and the product and all of that, I was being strategic in how much money I was going to need to to live and pay my bills. So I was kind of budgeting for that and saving accordingly so that when I went into January of 2018, I could go and focus solely on this business that probably wasn't going to be bringing in a ton of revenue in like the first 90 days to a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was very strategic in when I would jump off from leaving my tech executive role and focusing fully on Solgani, kind of all at the same time. What great lessons in there. You know, your background, I'm guessing, in software design really helped you frame up a way to get all this feedback, right? Because you were used to iterating and you were used to you were used to sort of the lean launch perspective, I'm guessing. Would you say that's true or am I, yeah. am I overreaching with that assumption? No, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that's true. I think that all of my previous work, work experiences, all the good and all the bad mm-hmm. have been so critical in the performance of my business right now and, and how I approach different problems or different opportunities and stuff like that. So having a background in create, like I created right out of college, I worked with a group of doctors and software developers and created an electronic medical record system and really grew that product into something that like probably about 50% of like a medical specialty were utilizing at the time when I left. So it grew into like a huge product for the business. And so that experience of creating a product and growing it into like a multi-million dollar line is very essential into going into creating your own business. So from the product perspective, it's super helpful because it's the same concepts, just a different product. Mm-hmm. And then all the little intricacies of that of that industry, you kind of have to learn by fire and or research and just kind of try to teach yourself or, or find people in that industry who are friendly and want to help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's a great, really great story. And there's just so many, so many good lessons in it, as I mentioned before. One thing in particular that you said that resonated with me is that you wanted, you wanted to hear the criticisms and the problems and the, you, you didn't want people to tell you just what you wanted to hear. And that sometimes is hard for at least the entrepreneurs I, I see and I've worked with 
because they've fallen in love with their product too soon and they really struggle with that. So they don't always understand how much time, money, and heartache it's going to save them to go ahead and and hear all that and how it's a big part of the success to hear all the negative things as early as possible, right? In that process. So I really commend you for having that kind of perspective. Could you tell us a little bit more? Let's go back to your background. You said right after, where did you go to school and where yeah. are you from? You talked about your roots. Where are you from? And so, you know, how did you get to this? So I was born in Dayton, Ohio, and spent majority of my early years and into early adulthood in, in the Midwest, in Ohio. But I'm first generation Iraqi. So both of my parents were born in the Middle East. So I was like a first generation kid, like you basically, like you study and you work a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're, a, you're a hard worker. So any first generation kids listening to this, they know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. So I grew up in the Midwest. I went to undergrad at the University of Dayton, and then I did my master's at Columbia University in New York. And my undergrad was actually in like biology and chemistry. I had thought about wanting to become a doctor at the time. And after graduation, I had gotten into medical school and I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. I could see myself doing other things. And I didn't want to take a seat away from somebody who all they could think about was wanting to be a doctor. When I, at the end of the day, was thinking, oh, I could be a doctor and go do something else. And that just didn't make sense. So I took a year off and I worked in Next Tech is a, is a business that I worked in. And they're actually based in Tampa, Florida, but they used to be based in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And at Next Tech is where I basically was able at like a very early age to kind of get into product development. And so that's where I had the ability to work with a team of software developers and a team of doctors and kind of listening to the doctor's needs and then listening to what the software developers could do. And from there, kind of putting together a design for what a electronic medical record product would be for these doctors. So at the time, it's just like pure product management is what I did. And with that, I grew that product, which then helped grow the business tremendously. And I was with Next Tech from when I graduated college in 2005 up until all the way up until like 2017. And so with that, we really, we grew the business tremendously. And I was over all of product management and strategy, business development, trying to think back. It was like so many different things, bringing on like strategic partners launching new products and anything and everything in between. At one point, I had had experience running almost every department minus outside sales and accounting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had tremendous experience at that place. What a great gift that was for you to have that opportunity to get that much exposure and experience, especially early in your career. You, But I'm sure you must have really worked hard for it as well. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's funny. In my 20s, you know, when a lot of people are like going out and kind of just like enjoying life, I think I was like a 40 year old woman in my 20s because <laughs> I basically was like so enamored with creating a product and so enamored with like trying to like grow a business and like just kind of like when you see an idea in your head and then you see it come to life, it's like a drug. You're like, this uh-huh. is amazing. You just want to keep getting more of it. And so when I was in my 20s, like I could go to bed at 2 a.m. and wake up at 6 a.m. So I had a lot of 
energy and a lot of drive. So it was kind of a perfect juxtaposition of the two, you know, and it helped really create something special. And I got so much experience with that business and super grateful for it. Mm -hmm. So that's what brought you here to Tampa. And now you you're you've got your own business. And it sounds like to me, like you said, you had already you already discovered that drug of building and growing something. So tell us about Sogani. You know, we launched it in 2018. And here we are just about near the end of 2020. And so what's the growth been like? And what's exciting you about it right now? And what's what's challenging you? Yeah. So the growth has been has been slow and steady. So, you know, every year we're bringing on, like in the first year, it was, you know, getting really like a large amount of direct to consumer business through our website. And then, you know, from there, kind of growing that direct to consumer channel throughout like that first year and into the next year and the year after, and being able to, okay, say with this direct to consumer channel coming to our website, how can we, you know, create more of a way for them to add on to their existing products that they have, right? So if they have a legging, maybe they need a bra or maybe they need a top or, you know, maybe they like this style of legging, let's show them the new print. So kind of trying to get really good at marketing to like the existing business once we started Mm -hmm. to kind of grow it. And then also at the same time, adding on retailers and wholesale business too. So in the first year that I launched the business, I went to a trade show in New York. And this was a really good lesson I learned from my prior days at Next Tech is that I got a booth and the booth, I made it look like on purpose, it wasn't just a one woman show. I got a bigger booth and I paid a little bit of extra money to like sponsor lanyards for all the buyers that would be at the conference. So people had never heard my brand and they never, you know, they don't know what Solgani is, but they're wearing a Solgani lanyard all around their neck. Mm-hmm. And so that created like a, hmm, what is this company? What is this brand? And then when they see a nice bigger booth, they're like, oh, this looks like a legit company. Let me talk to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was like in the first year I did that conference and we got we got quite a few sales from it. And they were kind of smaller studios, kind of like from all around the country. And so that was really great because that gave us the experience and kind of being able to do wholesale and kind of being able to like look at the margins for wholesale, look at the shipping costs, looking at, you know, timing from order to factory to like being delivered to the retailer and whatnot. So that was really great. And then the next year when we did the conference, that's when I signed on Kohl's department stores. And that was like a huge momentous occasion in the business because I was like, wow, we have Kohl's department stores. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then from there, we've just been adding on more and more retailers and just constantly trying to think about who we can sell to, why this is of value to them, how it'll be differentiated on their website or in their store, and just grinding every year, just trying to kind of grow both those channels. Yeah. And so earlier, I think prior to you know recording, we were talking about the fact that you actually have hired a number of University of Tampa students. And so what's it like to be to be the boss and to have now have other people whose livelihoods depend on you? Do you find that stressful? Have you enjoyed, you know, it sounds like you're a real doer and, and a hard worker. And sometimes 
being a manager of people and a leader of people is is another adding on another layer. How how's that working for you? You know, it's funny that you say that because whenever we have like a um like a group text with like my my team. And they joke, they're like, oh, Christina, when you like don't put an emoji in your text, I think that you're mad at us because we didn't <laughs> do something. <laughs> but really, it's actually because I'm like working really fast and I just need to get a message out to them. So I think that, you know, the way I always in my previous work experience and then now at Solgani, the way I always approach managing people is you need to be looking out for like what their talents are and what their and what their weaknesses are. And you need to tell them both. So I, I try to be a really good manager in doing that. And when I tell them, when, when I see their talents, I try to give them a lot of projects and work that play to those raw talents that they have so that they can really kind of grow and, and blossom in that area. And in the areas that they're weak or areas that they don't enjoy doing, I still give to them, but tell them, I know you don't enjoy doing this, but I but I want you to kind of approach it this way. And this is what you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And this is how you can be better in this area. So I just try to be really honest and always kind of look out for, you know, just trying to trying to help the people that are under me and try to grow them. Because I think that managers that look out for their team and try to grow them and help them kind of blossom in different areas, I think are like the best kind of managers that I worked under. And that's kind of, I adopted that into my management style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that makes a whole lot of sense. And, and I'm sure that, that, that you've built a culture of support and encouragement and empowerment along the way. So that sounds, sounds like a, a great, great place to work. So, you know, you had a lot of success working for Next Tech and you really enjoyed that. And now you are, you know, you own your own business. Do you ever miss being able to kind of because when it's your own business, I grew up in a family business. You don't ever, ever leave it. Do you miss <laughs> that? <laughs> that or, or are you thriving on that feeling of, you know, this is something you're creating and or both? Both. So what I what I miss is somebody who can handle all of the administrative stuff. <laughs> I don't enjoy I don't enjoy doing payroll. I don't enjoy doing (laughs) any of the accounting stuff and whatnot. And I think as we grow to be a bigger company, that'll definitely be handed off Mm -hmm. (laughs) to somebody who can do it. So yeah, so those kind of things I do miss in having like a nine to five and working for another company. But in this business, I love seeing like a concept being brought to life and then seeing that product that was in my head on a complete stranger walking down the street. Mm-hmm. That to me is like, that's a drug. That's like the best thing ever. Like I was in downtown St. Pete the other day and this is so like funny to admit, but I was riding my bike and I saw some girl that was wearing my leggings and I'm, I'm like, I don't know her. She's a complete stranger. She either bought them online or bought them from a studio. And I literally like snapped a picture of her wearing them and sent them to my team. <laughs> I was like, I go, this is so creepy, but so cool, guys. <laughs> so, so yeah, I forget what your question is, but that is just yeah, it's yeah, really we were, fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's really rewarding. I guess we were just talking about the difference between being your own boss and working yeah. with somebody else. So, you know, failure is typically a, a part of the pathway for every success. And you've had a lot of success along the way. I'm guessing you've had a few challenges and maybe 
even a few failures along the way. And so I'd be really interested in whether or not you have a story or some stories you'd be willing to share about that and and how you managed to stay resilient and keep going in the face of challenges and failures and obstacles. Yeah, I mean, I have failure every single day, every day. There's something that I think <laughs> I do that is in some way or same, some shape or form a failure, but you gotta like, and, but you've got to not look at it like that. Like you have to look at it like, okay, this was a mistake and I need to, you know, not do this again, or I need to learn from this, or I need to get better at this aspect. So like, for instance, with like, when we had our first Kohl's order, it was just me and I didn't have anybody to kind of help guide me as to, you know, what I need to do when I get a purchase order and how I need to route shipping with the whole kind of Kohl's department store ecosystem, with how you do labeling, with how you do hang tags and packaging. And just like, there's probably like, I kid you not, like hundred different steps you have to do to getting a product from your warehouse into Kohl's. Mm -hmm. And so in, in that first shipment that we ever did, I literally cried at one point because like I had a week ship window and it was like the end of that week ship window. And I probably had 15 different things that went wrong that were problems that I had to solve during that whole time period. And at the end of that ship window, it was like Friday at like 5 PM and FedEx, like my FedEx account wasn't working or whatever. And they weren't able to come pick up the, the products. And I wasn't able to get them out on like that Friday at 5 PM. I literally like bursted into tears in my office because it was like so stressful. And I was like, this is our first order and it's not getting out. Like, uh, and so, but then like, I had the thought that came to me that like, why don't I just stick all these boxes in my car and take them to FedEx and try to like figure out a way with like the actual store to like get them shipped to Kohl's because Kohl's has so many different nuances to how you actually can ship to them Mm -hmm. that it just kind of was like a big kind of snafu all at the end. And at the end I got it shipped and we met the ship window but during that process, there was just so many different learning pieces to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, when you're starting your own business, there are, every day there's going to be some kind of problem or some kind of thing that you didn't do right that could be like considered a failure. And so I literally just most of the time I'm very positive, but sometimes it can get to you and then you just got to snap yourself out of it and think about, think about it as a problem and a solution. Mm-hmm. It's how I like to think about my failures. But the cold thing was definitely, <laughs> it was rough, that very first shipment. <laughs> so, you know, in a lot of ways, those those failures, those challenges, those rough times are our best lessons, right? So you learned a lot, it sounds like, that you were able to to leverage and use throughout, you know, as you've been building Sogani. You know, I'm curious, you sound very active from some of the stories that you tell, even all the way back to hiking, you know, when you got this original idea. Do you have any habits or rituals or routines or things that you'd be willing to share that help you kind of keep going and kind of help you stay healthy through all of this, the stress of launching and building a company? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I were both pretty active people. And so it may sound like nuts, but we wake up every morning, like at like 536, somewhere in between there. And like we have like our morning coffee together and we read one chapter of the Bible together. Mm -hmm. 
every morning. And it's like one chapter is literally like four minutes, not very long. And it helps give us kind of like, it feeds our soul and our mind first thing in the morning with like something good and something to think about of like how, how we need to approach just overall life as people. And we do it together, which is really nice quality time. And then in the mornings, like we both typically kind of do our workout right after that. And so during the pandemic, I probably got in the beginning, I probably got really bad about my working out. <laughs> Instead of doing it first thing in the morning, I you know, would let it move into the afternoon or if the evening, maybe I would do it, maybe I wouldn't. So to me, having like structure like that, very first thing in the morning where you kind of it's, it's hard to start waking up that early at first, but then I think when you start doing that, it just becomes routine and it's like, it's easy. So kind of feeding our soul and our mind first thing in the morning and then moving our bodies and getting our workouts in, it kind of helps clear the stress in the head. So then that way, when we approach like our work day, I already have a bunch of endorphins going and I'm in like a good headspace to be a good leader for my team. And then also kind of thinking about what we're going to do in the business or any problems that come up, being able to solve them kind of with a level head is always the best way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And when you get those things done in the morning, whatever your priorities are, then you can also feel that sense of accomplishment, even when the rest of the day starts to fall apart, <laughs> which it does. Exactly. Sometimes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, totally agree with that. Well, Christina, this has been really delightful. I usually like to end uh, the conversation and I, and I know there's a lot more we could talk about, but I know you've got a business to run and a lot of work to do, but I usually like to end with a couple of questions. And the first one is, if there's one piece of advice that you would leave with our listeners, knowing that it, uh, a lot of times it's students or other early stage entrepreneurs or even people who are out there running businesses, what would it be? So I would say, my biggest piece of advice is to dream and to do. I think a lot of times people will do the first part and they don't do the second part or they just do the second part and they kind of just do life as it is and they don't kind of dream or let their dreams help guide them. So I'd say dream and do and just repeat <laughs> is my, my biggest piece of advice. Great advice. And it sounds like you are doing your dream right now. So it sounds like you're <laughs> living that advice. And the last question, Christina, where can our listeners find you and find out about more about Sogana and maybe buy some leggings if they're interested? Yeah, it makes a great gift for yourself or right. moms or yeah. daughters or sisters or, you know, anybody. <laughs> you can find us on our website www.solgani, S-O-U-L-G-A-N-I.com. And then also on our Instagram and Facebook. So at S-O-U-L-G-A-N-I dot activewear. So both of those places you can find us and, and purchase. Wonderful. Christina, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I really wish you well. I'm so excited to hear about this growing Tampa Bay based business. And I just know you're going to meet with a lot of success and good luck to you. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much.